This week we'll be talking about Kojima blesses Kind of Funny's reveal stream for their new studio, The Spare Bedroom. A new Activision lawsuit makes allegations for sexual harassment and worse. Everything that happened at MetaConnect 2022 and the request Zuckerberg made to his staff. Bayonetta 3 voice actor Helena Taylor reveals the real reason why she was replaced. New Valorant agent Harbor has an interesting ability. The CMA sides with Sony on the battle for Activision acquisition. We finally get hands-on on Overwatch 2 and more on Season 6, Episode 40 of Press X to start podcast. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Mattress, a.k.a. May All Day. I am joined by... Your heavyweight champion from Wish Nigga World, California, aka the janitor because we watch niggas, aka <laughs> to Portland because I can't afford tickets to Poland. So, Mark <laughs> Next up, I am Sean MF Ross. What the MF stand for? Purveyor of all things important. Oh, oh. of all things like bullets or robust. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and last up. Hi, everyone. It's me, Avery. Nailed it. That guy's consistent. I'll tell you what. Truly. He's like a lawyer just walking in, slamming down his case. Can we get, <laughs> right. can we get this case started? I have a neurological condition. Mm. Mm. It's called being awesome. <laughs> right. It starts All right. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to see he's a source of comedy for y'all. <laughs> wow. Niggas don't take Anyways. nothing serious. Press X Start Podcast is a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news, review the biggest games to give you our thoughts on the games we are playing, and you'll definitely get that today. Our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view. If you like what we do, and you're watching us on YouTube, you can support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, and hitting that notification bell. If you are listening to us, we appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service you are tuned in on. If you want to join in on our conversations, you can join our Discord at pressx2start.com. Ooh. <clears throat> I had a frog in my throat. How'd it get there? Lucio was in your throat? Oh, my God. How'd you know? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of reviews, we have a review from Homer J. Simpson. Not the cartoon, but this actual person. They say, are you tired of old white guys? Question mark. I don't, I mean. That's, yeah. That's a deep question. That's a really deep question. They follow by saying, I'm tired of listening to a bunch of old white guys that sound alike, parentheses like me. Best podcast out there. Funny, on point, truth. Nice job, guys. Thank you, Homer J. Simpson. And you, audience members out there, you can be like Homer J. Simpson and review our podcast because we need it and it makes us go choo-choo like a train cool all right um i think that's it oh actually no it's not it uh as i said at the top of this podcast we got to go hands-on on overwatch 2 finally all together as a team and we had a great time and you can see our great time by watching our overwatch 2 gameplay stream it is available right now on our youtube channel so make sure you go check that out right now actually after this podcast so don't pause the podcast and go to that channel watch this 
enjoy this content and then jump to that and then enjoy that content and then come back to this because your view won't be counted twice but we'd appreciate the good gesture so cool thanks all right the view counter isn't just unique views it's oh. every successive view on the site theoretically speaking a person could go to a youtube video and put it on autoplay and as long as it's the i think the actual diagnostics of the website itself read that it's an active participant yeah then it should count that autoplay because at the end of the day views tie into ads and ads incentives so like yeah well thank you whoever right. watched it seven times look at grandpa figuring out just how youtube works i'm proud of you <laughs> we have a, a a new ass of you uh listeners we only need like 10 we need 10 in about 10 days so just watch one of our videos and put it on autoplay and just leave it. Just leave. You can go about your business. You can go on vacation. Just make sure you pay your electric bill. And then mm -hmm. we'll appreciate we'll appreciate that. And we'll shout you out. So just leave a review on our podcast. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Come on. Just do that. All right. With that being said, and now that we have that extra information, let us jump into the quick hits. <laughs> Avery, take it away. Okay, so uh, anyone who knows us as a podcasting collective knows that a lot of our early roots come in a, I don't want to say idolization because that, that brings about a lot of parasocial bullshit, but a fondness for the entertainment brand kind of funny. I know in the early days it was me and Cam, and then when DJ joined, it was me, Cam, and DJ, all just big fans of them as an entertainment group. Mm -hmm. I have personally been watching them since their inception and have been impressed every step of their growth as an entertainment brand from the ousting of the problematic element that was Colin Moriarty to the uh, acquiring of Andy Cortez and then blessing Eddie Oye Jr. as full-time members and faces for the company to their commitment to essentially being probably the most high production independent entertainment brand in the video game space. And so nothing made me happier to watch the essentially their emergence from the pandemic era of work from home to having their entire staff, which is 11 people deep in a studio. And nothing shocked me even more than watching their introduction video and hearing a Japanese voice, which I immediately clocked as, oh, this is Hideo Kojima. And so their big announcement to their brand new studio began with a shout, not even a shout out, a narration and then a full on cameo from Hideo Kojima, uh, I guess just giving you a brief overview of their development as an entertainment group. So that was insane. And then they showed off the studio and I'm, I'm putting the cart before the horse, but this is the, this is the entertainment space that I aspire to in a world where this podcast becomes successful. What? Yeah. This, the space is amazing. One, it's an insane space must be extremely expensive. And frankly, probably out of my, mind view like this is an amazing production space and like i am incredibly proud of the work they've done to go from literally a spare bedroom to fucking a studio that is frankly better than an ign probably better yeah. than a game spot it's like, insane this this is the best looking studio for the size of kind of funny that i have ever seen in my mm -hmm. following of this kind of content like this is insane it's also cool to kind of see like those uh 
a lot of people from like, you know, uh, news or reporter spaces to music videos to movies have been embracing kind of LED screen technology, especially with the volume yeah. and stuff like that. And so yeah. it's cool to kind of see uh, them get the chance to bring that into the fold and also the big LED screen in the back and them having their own specific graphics it speaks to my heart as a wrestling fan because it looks like some wrestling <laughs> shit. So that's oh, cool. they do a wrestling yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Greg, Greg Miller is a, a big wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. He is really good friends with Austin Creed and he's always I talking mean, about. He's like, yeah. A, Greg Miller does a wrestling show on WWE Network and B, they have their own wrestling uh, entertainment brand at Kind of Funny where him and Snowback might come out in professional outfits and they commentate over gameplay of uh, the last WWE 2K game. Uh, the, the funniest moment, though, is that, okay, they clearly have an in, and they have like, they, they finessed the Kojima thing. Because this isn't the first time they've mm -hmm. done shit like this before. They once had, uh, fuck, the, uh, the previous face of PlayStation do one of the openings for their first kind of funny live. Was it Sean Layden? No. No, no it was wasn't before. Sean it was before Sean. It was who... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is something. And then in the middle of their 24-hour uh, marathon stream, Kojima tweeted about them and said, dude, this is... Uh, I'm not going to paraphrase the, the direct tweet, but this is the sentiment I got from it. This is sick. It also reminds me of how I split off and did my own independent thing. So it was like, that's a, that's a really cool thing. That like, And they yeah. even acknowledged that during <laughs> the thing that we didn't ask him to tweet about us or do anything like that. <laughs> that's uh, cool. Yeah, it's cool. So this is ultimately something like this is ultimately what I hope for with this endeavor. And hopefully I don't have a nervous breakdown again and eventually get to that point. For sure, for sure. We got you, buddy. Just to just to jump on to what Avery's saying, like, you know, I, I'm also a person that's followed kind of funny. I've mentioned them so many times on this podcast. Uh like I followed Greg Miller from IGN, from Podcast Beyond. And it is just so amazing to watch his growth as like a person and a personality in a way of just like, man, this is insane. And I'm just so happy for where they have started from to where they've become. And like, just to have that studio space and to see how that evolves. Because right now I'm just like, Man, you, you really can't get any better than that space. So, and of course, like Tim Gettys, essentially he was the brainchild for that space because he's so big on like LED lights and the um the video wall, and he wanted the the video floor and so on and so forth. And he's always like put that like production thing at the front and foremost of their evolution, essentially. So this is just great. This is just great, and it's awesome. I'm, just, I'm so happy. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our next story comes from Kotaku.com. This is from Luke Plunkett. A new Activision lawsuit makes revenge porn sexual harassment allegations. <sighs> so in the ongoing is Activision Blizzard a good company conversation? Uh, uh I'm gonna read an excerpt from this. The latest suit filed in Los Angeles by an unnamed former employee of the company targets both Activision Blizzard itself, along with the employee's former manager, who they do name, Miguel Vega. The compliment alleges Activision Blizzard's failure to curb sexist and harassing conduct emboldened manager Miguel Vega to abuse, belittle, and assault Miss Doe by making comments to her about oral sex, masturbation, and orgasms 
threatening her job if she would not consent to sex, mocking her breath, and commenting on other female employees' attractiveness. Wow. Mr. Vega also repeatedly threatened to expose a compromising photo of Ms. Stowe. Activision responded oh, wow. to this. Uh, spokesperson Rich Jones, Rich, wow, Rich George provided the following comment. We take all employee concerns seriously. When the plaintiff reported her concerns, we mainly opened up an investigation and Mr. Vega was terminated within 10 days. We have no tolerance for this kind of misconduct. Read, read that, read that paragraph right after. We take all employee concerns seriously. When the plaintiff reported her concerns, we immediately opened an investigation and Mr. Vega was terminated within 10 days. We have no tolerance for this kind of misconduct. I was talking about the one right after, but ah, she, I, re- I really wish she would have like recorded some of this stuff so she could have rock solid evidence. Mm. But I mean, they already fired him, but I mean, in her suit against Activision. And now I guess it's kind of like a he says, he says thing. Cause apparently they met at a gaming night before she was an employee and um, they ended up having a relationship. Well, here's the, here's, here's some more context. Like dates aren't very clear in the article yeah. about when all this happened, but at the very end, uh, here's the expert. Miss Doe's complaints also accused Vega of threatening her career if she ever reported him to HR, which she did in 2017, saying Activision Blizzard did nothing. Wow. Okay. And then up until t- August 2021, weeks after the company's culture had become international news, he continually threatened to publicly release the quote-unquote compromising photos he had on her. So the Wild. paragraph from the Activision spokesperson is just a PR answer. With Activision Blizzard, really didn't do anything when the uh, information was originally brought to light and probably only did so in the aftermath in order to seem more clean of a company. After each time she rejected him, he'd assured her that one day it'll happen or one day you'll give in. Yo, that, that Jesus Christ. It's almost a dumpster fire like Riot. Almost. <laughs> God I'm damn. I'm being kind here. Yeah. <laughs> Do they deserve it though, Sean? Do they deserve it? No. No, that's... um. That's horrible. I mean, I'm I'm glad, even though it's you know definitely them trying to cover their asses and do damage control. I'm glad that he got terminated relatively quickly, but still, that's the fact that this is something that continues to persist even after all of the shit that happened within the last two years and the kind of reckoning of sorts that happened is uh, troubling to say the least. Yeah, it's 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 very telling that the file was made or the claim was made 2017 and nothing happened. And she had to deal with this for a whole three years before. I guess. No, even more than that, because 2022. So five years she had to deal with this for. Wait, did she get is she still an employee for Activision? I don't Uh, think so. No, because it's former employee. But okay, okay. um, she'd been dealing with this for a while. If she met him back in 09 or 010. Oh, 10. Yeah, it still works. Anyways, no one should have to deal with that shit for any amount of time. And it's it's just it's it's fucked up all the way down, essentially. But it's good that this guy got let go. Um, It's actually. It's better that this story got put into the news cycle. So now when anyone Googles this guy's name, this is going to be a story that pops up. So this is going to follow this guy for the rest of his life, and it and it should. So, absolutely, yeah, that, yeah. That's a silver lining in all of this, all right? Only a winner, and this is the lawyers. You're not wrong. Anywho, okay. Our next story is from IGN. This is from Logan Plant. Meta Connect 2022. <clears throat> everything announced. So, uh, Meta, uh, the company that was formerly Facebook and is now the 
quote unquote uh leading face when it comes to essentially uh the meta and all that had a sort of big press conference showcase to talk about their plans their vr plans going forward one of the things they announced is the meta quest pro coming october 25th and costing fifteen hundred dollars uh this is mm-hmm. now we we joke about how fucking insane and expensive this is but it's a a high-end it's not high-end yeah it's a high-end thing and then they are the ones who sell the quest which is the cheapest vr platform on the market so there's not much real there's no competition for them to even price this competitively basically that's not necessarily true there's uh the vibe there's the vibe there's valve headset there's a playstation headset there, there's a bunch of headsets out there that are better than the Quest, uh-huh. but more expensive. Let me see how much the Vive costs now. Jesus Christ! So, uh... $1,300. But the point of the Quest Pro is that the one thing it does that all the others don't is it is a wireless headset. It's all yeah. it's an all-in-one thing. Yeah. So, um... It's essentially from I what I can tell. Oh, okay, from what I can tell from just reading documentation, it is essentially just a high-end PC trapped in a headset. Yeah. So it puts the quest finally on par with more powerful high-end headsets that use a computer as a uh, computing source. So uh, I, f- I forget what podcast I was watching this on, but Excuse apparently. Me? The I mean it wasn't us because we haven't reported it yet, so it <laughs> technically didn't it didn't exist yet. You know you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But um apparently the specs on this is lower than the specs in the PSVR two. Is it? But the only difference is that this essentially the difference is that this has a phone like phone hardware in it to get it to run without any cables. Mm. But the scary thing is that. Apparently, the specs in PSVR 2 is supposed to be better than this. So it's like, yeah. how much is that actually going to cost? Because <laughs> Sony is definitely on that thing. About... I think a lot of the cost of this device comes from the fact that it is wireless. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and the I battery and all that. And... Yeah. Yeah. Because it has to do a lot more than. Yeah. It has to do a lot more than a lot of other headsets. And it also has to be wireless without cables. Like I said, yeah. this is the sort of keynote thing. It's prohibitively expensive for most people. I, if I'm getting a VR headset, I'm getting a PSVR. But this is... if The PSVR has shitty cable management. Because look at the tiny space I am in right now. This is where I'm going to be using my PSVR too. <laughs> if uh, this is something I probably could have... Looks like you might want to invest in a futon, my guy. <laughs> or a Murphy bed. Do people uh, still say Murphy another bed? Big, mm, another mm-hmm. big announcement is that Xbox Cloud okay. Gaming is coming to the MetaQuest store. So if you're an Xbox Game Pass subscriber you can play your non-vr xbox games in a non-vr vr setting real quick real quick uh uh mr zuckerberg was on the screen and got that guy still continues to look like a robot to me i just i can't get over it i don't know maybe it's his haircut or how smooth his skin is but like i'm just waiting for that mm-hmm. reveal to happen in in uh i don't know the real housewives of uh united states the real house robots I am contractually obligated to never say anything bad about um, uh, Supreme Leader Zuckerberg as uh, I have appeared in a meta commercial. So, um, 
back out of this one. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, Marcus, your head looks a little smooth too. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> your mama. <laughs> ah, the classic comeback. Um, yeah, no, beca- because it it's not going to cost as much to PSVR 2 just because they have the Qualcomm, Snapdragon, all that good stuff in it, like Avery said. It doesn't have any storage space. And uh, I think that's a lot of the cost because, I mean, the Snapdragon, all that shit, that's what's in your phones. And phones cost a good $1,000, you know. Well, phones cost a lot of money because... I mean, it has a battery. It has RAM in its storage space or whatever. It has the processor. I get what you're saying. No, I, I, I only brought up the phones cost a lot of money because the market is built in a way that there is no real competition for a low end phone. Yeah. Mm. No, I hear you. I'm just looking at the comparison right now because I pulled it up and I'm looking at the, you know, what each thing has. And spec wise, apart from having just built in processing hardware, storage and battery. Yeah, this is basically a phone with, you know, controllers and a screen strapped onto it, a high end screen and a phone comparable of this nature would be a thousand dollars or so. Yeah. I don't know what I mean, Snapdragon they're using, but I mean, it says XR2, but I don't know how that compares to the 980 and, you know, 68. All the the concise nature of my point about this price point and Sean's bringing up phones and phones and their costs and things like that. My PS5 costs less than my phone. My PS5 is a bigger piece of hardware than my phone. The phone, they've been able to compact a lot of that stuff into a small size, but that doesn't really uh, make sense in regards to the price differential between them i'm just saying the price of this headset is based entirely on its Mm -hmm. ability to be a relatively high-end pc that's wireless and strapped to your head with no one else doing anything like that in the space with them also having a cheaper version that if you don't want the high-end nature already on the market it's more in line of a which is even weirder comparison but stick with me here an xbox series s to an xbox series x no, no, it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, uh, the, Meta also bought three VR game studios. Uh, I believe the studios joining them are the Iron Man VR developers, Camouflage, uh, Twisted Pixel, and Armature Studio. Iron Man VR is also no longer going to be a PSVR exclusive. It's coming to the Meta Quest with that. They also announced a bunch of sort of VR game announcements, as well as Among Us VR, Resident Evil. Uh, no. Walking Dead Saints and Sinners and uh, the behemoth, the people who made Walking Dead Saints and Sinners next project. So it's an interesting thing. They also talk a lot about their investment in meta and their metaverse situation. And uh, mm-hmm. one of their big things is that uh, like they finally were able to create feet for your avatars. It was also recently revealed after the fact that that was all like mocap lying and that uh, they're spending a shit ton of money on metaverse development and they have yet to figure out how to do feet, but to be fair, no one in VR truly knows how to do feet in any way, shape, or form. Especially there's when there's no real tech to capture your feet. Yeah, there's no real tech. Yeah, so they're spending a shit ton of money to figure this out. Godspeed to them because it's going to make all other VR experiences much better. As uh, I said last week, they out here showing feet. <laughs> but how much are you willing to pay, Marcus? They're about to have CG wiki feet content, and it's going to be terrible. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, you might want to get on the NFTs because if NFTs becomes NFTs, then 
It's enough it. toes. It was right there. I was there, gonna man. say nice, <laughs> nice fat toes. <laughs> non fungible toes. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> Neat. Fungus on toes. Anyway, anyway. Avery, Avery, please, please get us away from here. Very quickly. Before it gets worse. Actually, I'll get us away from here. Hey there, listener. Uh, this is kind of awkward for the both of us, but if you're enjoying our content, we ask that you do us a favor and hit that like button, subscribe to our content, and hit that notification bell because we need you to do those three things. And again, as we talked about at the top of the show, apparently you can just watch our content and just hit it on autoplay and then just make sure your computer doesn't shut off and your electricity bill or your electricity stays good on your, your home and we'll be good and you'll get us views and we will appreciate that. Um, if you do all three, we'll send you NFTs of our NFTs. No power in this room. No power in this room. I will leave. Here's the thing. I don't like NFTs. If we decide to do NFTs, I wouldn't be angry. Bag is a bag. But the minute feet come into any situation, I'm out. Like 100%. Fine, fine, fine. We'll name it Press X to Stars. Like PlayStation Stars. (laughs) You you could get Sean's toes if you like. Um, but before that even remotely happens, we need you to do us another thing. If you are listening to this podcast, please pause it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service you are using, and then you can return to the podcast and you can listen to us talk about not toes anymore. Take your mama iPhone and leave us a review. (laughs) Oh, that? Hey, we wouldn't. As long as you give the phone back, we're fine with that. We are okay with that. All right. Um... Let's jump into the next thing, Avery. Yes. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So this is a big thing that popped off, and this is, I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm not a games journalist. I have no place in games journalism, uh, but this is the only time I've ever actually done my due diligence when it comes to, this is pretty much the only thing I'm going to call reporting, because it's me doing actual research and things like that and looking into the situation and not relying okay. on a news outlet to give me the concise details of the situation. So, uh this week, well, let me back it up a bit. Bayonetta 3 came out, or well, was announced, and in the trailer, Bayonetta hardcore fans sort of noticed that she sounded differently, and we all sort of noticed that, oh, is uh, Helena Taylor, is she not doing the voice? Helena Taylor came out and said, I cannot say if I'm not doing the voice, but hinted that she wasn't doing the voice, and eventually revealed that Jennifer Hale, uh, the female Nolan North of video gaming, was doing the voice of Bayonetta, uh, and she does a pretty good interpretation of that sort of Helena Taylor voice, which, let's be honest, the Bayonetta voice is just her voice played up. This is not Troy Baker creating Joel. Uh, this is not, uh, I'm literally changing accents and doing all this other stuff. This is like, this is my normal voice, and I'm playing it up and acting. So, like, Helena puts a lot into Bayonetta. So, this weekend, uh, Helena revealed that in a series of tweets that, hey, the reason I'm not in Bayonetta 3 is not because of what Platinum says with scheduling uh, uh, difficulties, was that they lowballed me super hard on this entire game and promised me $4,000 for the entirety of the Bayonetta 3 voice role, which, if you look at all the trailers for Bayonetta, is Bayonetta talking to herself. <laughs> so that's an insane... Wow. Bro, <laughs> insane, uh, uh, sort of like a uh, chain of events. That's an insane chain of events. 
Uh, what's even more insane is that she wrote a personal uh, letter to the director of Bayonetta, uh, Hideki Kamiya. She said, hey, man, uh, we have been working on Bayonetta for the last three years. Frankly, a lot of Bayonetta is me, and I think it would do the fans and everything else better if I'm still doing the voice. I would love to still do the voice, but the pay you're offering me is unacceptable. And Kamiya was like, hey, man, I love you, but this is the price. And now, uh, Hideki Kamiya, is probably one of Japan's most prolific video game designers. He's also responsible for creating Devil May Cry and making Resident Evil Resident Evil. He's the director of Resident Evil 2. He also created the first Devil May Cry. He left uh, Capcom a while ago and they founded Platinum and he created Bayonetta and a lot of their big games. Uh, Kamiya has not made any of the bad Platinum games. He's been very much instrumental in making a lot of their more like critically acclaimed games. He's also very notorious online about having a very heavy block. If you ask him a repeat question, if you speak to him on English, if you shit post, if you tag him in anything, he will insta-block you. Uh, <laughs> he, he had a list of rules on his profile to that extent. Now, when this news came out, Camille came out and said, hey man, this is fucked up, what she's saying, none of this is true. Uh, also, remember, I will block everyone. I'm only paraphrasing to this because the actual Kamiya quote was removed by Twitter because his account was restricted because he was blocking a shit ton of people and so just assumed he was a bot. And then yeah. as if you look at Hideki Kamiya, Kamiya's uh, Twitter as it is now, it is gone. It has been removed from Twitter. His account has either been removed or indefinitely suspended in any way, shape, or form. And I make it to the shadow realm. I would... <laughs> I was trying to do more research to see if there's any information on why it was removed indefinitely. This could be like a uh, platinum PR thing saying, Hideki, you can't be doing this out here on the timeline anymore. This is really bad for PR. This could be a Nintendo situation coming, hey man, we don't like what you're doing, and so we're just doing this. There are yeah. multiple ways this can go. One of the big things that Helena is talking about is that if you love Bayonetta to boycott this game, don't buy it if you care about uh, or, or. voice actors and video games, and then Donate if you if you really want to spend that money on Bayonetta, donate it to charity. Uh, and then third and foremost is my final treatise on this is that I was doing a lot of looking up into the Jennifer Hale situation because one of the things when the announcement was made, I reckoned it was very much a Kiefer Sutherland situation versus uh, uh, David Hayter in that the suits behind this game wanted to sell it more that they needed a bigger voice talent to do that. And so they lowballed her, not out of like a uh, reasonable disrespect or spite, but they just wanted to get rid of her. This is the easiest way they could get rid of her without just saying, we don't want you in this game. So they can hire Jennifer Hale, who is one of the biggest voice actors in the industry and would require a bag. So it's not like they're not willing to Why pay. not just right. not even offer it to uh, uh, Helena? Hela, Hela. Okay, from what I can tell, and this is me doing research, is that she probably has a first look clause in her contract mm -hmm. with Platinum in that they couldn't even shop this around to other person without mm -hmm. even offering her. Yeah. And, and even then, to your point about why not just offer, they would still get the same bullshit that we're, we're getting now about the uh, situation, except without the reveal that oh, how cheap they wanted to be on the situation. I wonder why she would get a first look clause on something she doesn't, an IP that she doesn't... Well own person you know what i mean it's part, part of a contract. contract yeah she has lent her voice to it for multiple games i get you and, and, this, this, not and even she's in full... smash brothers that's what i was gonna say yeah she is 
for all intents and purposes, the voice of Bayonetta. So, like, if you were an organization, you're like, okay, we have no plans on changing this character anytime soon, so why don't you offer her that? I got you. I got you. Damn. Yeah, okay, so to Jennifer Hale's situation, uh, Jennifer has been liking tweets that indicate that she's under NDA and can't say anything about this situation. So her silence on the matter isn't that she's an uncaring person. It's more like, I literally cannot, because I'm lured out of the ass about this situation, so I can't do much. But mm. I'm of the mindset that I love Bayonetta like so much in a world where I wasn't getting Devil May Cry games. Bayonetta was the sort of like shining light at the end of the tunnel of me getting cool character action games that feel like character action games. But like straight up, I am I'm jumping off this boat. Uh, like I was going to buy and play Bayonetta three, uh, but I'm no longer going to do so. Yeah, because this is incredibly fucked up, and it also for it the is. most part just highlights just how bad it is for voice actors in general, and how bad the Japanese relationship to English voice actors are when it comes to games. Now, I am a sub versus dub guy, so I don't give a shit about most dub actors, truly, when it comes to Japanese exports. But if this is a situation where, like, from a just moral standpoint, maybe, like, treat people like people if you're going to make this expense. Yeah. Yeah. From, from actual experience... Big companies are um, weirdly frugal, and I understand the uh, what was that that line from Tyrese in um, in <laughs> Fast and Furious where it was like you know this is how you stay wealthy, but still like the amount of lowballing that you get as an actor uh, in this industry is insane. Like I mean, the money that you make now is not nearly as prominent as people were making hand over fist back like 15 20 years ago even i feel like that's a part of japanese culture as well though like when they're trying to get you out of the out of the way in a company they'll just not oh, i'm not even just talking about japanese culture though. i'm talking about uh, like across the board like a lot of these big companies are like entertainment stingy as shit yeah yeah no no, no i agree i get you yeah but yeah like it, it does go into the whole a big company is a big company because they found ways to not spend money to make to essentially amass that kind of like cash. So it, it just sucks. Okay. No, I was gonna say, as they say, there's no such thing as a moral billionaire. That's true. But yeah, it just it sucks that the essentially the identity of Bayonetta is about uh, four thousand dollars. Like that is Which so is fucking that is nuts. That's so weird. Oh that is God, that's like, a that's borderline offensive. Like it, that's that is that's, very offensive. Yeah. I think the actual ridiculous. offer was lower and they raised it to four thousand from what I Oh, was that's doing. even worse. That's even worse. They gotta they gotta sorry, run the I, ones I off that. I, yeah, I misreported that. The original offer was lower, and the when she talked to Camille personally in a letter, that's when she got the four K. Mm. Nah, they gotta fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's insane that that is just and then like just to take that and just put that in today's economy with inflation being a thing and we're talking about how much everything just costs now like what's a drop in the bucket that's a drop in the bucket, a drop in, the bucket. in her twitter uh, i i i want everyone listening to go check out the videos and uh release on her twitter she's actually really easy to find it's just helen taylor on twitter but like she talks about how like being a voice actor is really difficult 
Uh, even as being someone as prominent as the voice of a popular and money-making character as Bayonetta, that like it's yeah. been hard for her to live on her contract and things, situations like that. Yeah. She has 8.6 million views on this video. So it's definitely getting out there. And she's tagging Nintendo hey, America, Nintendo Japan, Nintendo everyone Europe. Is, okay. like, everyone is reporting on this. It's not just video game people. It is now yeah. popular internet personalities. I fucking watched a mogul mail from Ludwig of him talking about this and him doing better research than I am and getting out more and more details about this situation. Yeah. Hopefully I, this... I will uh, be... Okay. I was just going to say, hopefully this opens some really big doors for her because she deserves it after this bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to be real interested to see how Bayonetta 3 does when it releases. Because... I don't think it's going to do well. Like, it's like this is not... Yeah. We talked about this versus the Call of Duty situation, and I'm like, if Bayonetta doesn't do well, it has nothing to do with Call of Duty. It just happens to do with Bayonetta as a franchise. Mm. <sighs> well, I mean, like at this point, I'm not even... This is beyond the whole Call of Duty thing. Like, this is just... The fact that it's being reported outside of gaming, it's like, yikes. And Platinum... I literally, just looked are, up a TMZ, I just literally just looked up a TMZ article about it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I think it's like Platinum as a company, they need a hit. Like they mm-hmm. they tried Babylon's Fall. I don't think we reported on it, but Babylon's Fall is being turned off as it should be because no one is playing that game and they shouldn't because it's not a good game. So oh, sorry for the people who are out there actually playing it and supporting it. You know, go you if you love the game keep playing it until it goes away forever but you know go you still um yeah platinum needs a hit and to see this and see how it's going it's like their time might be up pretty soon i in the acquisition arms race i've always held platinum at a weird place in terms of gaming and like any studio who can get their hands on it will do well but this is very much a nintendo just needs to buy platinum and nintendo needs to restructure platinum into a nintendo first party that is more in line with the rest of their japanese studios in which they yeah. trim all the fat platinum doesn't stops doing all this weird shit and just continues to make really good character action games for a single platform yeah, yeah. that would that would be a, a good uh, future for platinum uh, so this next story, I'm going to keep relatively short because I'm literally the only one who cares about this. And I put this here because when I was building the news, it was really, really sparse. So much so that I had to, like, ignore mental note I've been having about what stories we put on and just change shit. So whatever. But anyway, uh, Valorant released their next agent. His name is Harbor. He's Indian. And he's a controller. And as someone who plays Valorant, uh, like, maybe once or twice a month and has to fucking play Viper on Icebox and Breeze... Uh, I'm super happy to have another controller agent in the game with a fucking wall. That means I don't necessarily have to play Viper. That being said, right. we'll see. We'll see. He's super fucking cool. I'm not going to go into the uh, express details about his kick. That would require me to explain Valorant to everyone on this podcast. And frankly, it's not. Pro- it's not I, I understand. I'm, I'm looking at it. I, I get it. <laughs> it's but yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So he creates like a wall of water. Yeah. Is that what he, you meant by a wall? Yeah. The uh, oh. in, uh, Valorant is broken down. Okay, I'm just gonna fucking go into it. Fuck it. I'm sorry. About the <laughs> we're, gonna a, we're, gonna, we're a 90 minute podcast from now on. This is how it's gonna be. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm trying. I've been trying, but it's been hard. I know. I'm, I'm I mean, it's cool though. No, yeah, I mean, cool. people have abilities in Valorant. Valorant abilities are broken into very in relative uh, CSGO terms. You have walls to block up vision, smokes to block up vision. You have stuns, mollies, 
and uh, mm, and lines. Uh, uh, those are usually how all the abilities go into. Then you get that every once in a while you get a fucking insane ability where a character can just teleport or move a hundred miles per hour or some bullshit. Fucking neon and alting. It's a whole thing. But anyway, Harbor has essentially, as far as I can tell, he has some of the most full coverage abilities in terms of locking down a site and cutting off vision. He can't be playing solo controller though. So like I said, I can play him on. Uh, I can probably play him on Icebox and fucking Breeze and shit. But I'll not be able to play him on any other map because he he doesn't have global smokes. He is very much. I can smoke and cut off line of sight in my line of view. But if you're okay. if you're on the other side of the map, I can't really help you. <laughs> You can't really play him solo controller. That's it. This is me having a Valorant minute. I apologize for taking up this time. Uh, I was really excited about Valorant. I'm, trust me. I've been fucking playing Astro and Viper for the last year and a half. I'm just excited to fucking play now controller, guys. <laughs> okay. Hey, that works. Uh, okay, so our next story is, uh, I alluded to earlier, I have been cutting pretty much every story about the uh, ongoing Activision Blizzard uh, Microsoft buyout because, frankly, it was the same talking points over and over and over again. And I was getting tired of both companies, both Microsoft lying out of their teeth about the value of what they're doing and saying everything was for the gamers when it's like, nah, man, just fucking say it. You want to make money and this is why you're doing it. And PlayStation being extremely hypocritical, even if they were pointing out like true facts about what Mm -hmm. Microsoft is lying about. But a lot of shit came out over the last week about the ongoing nature of that beyond one of the stories I forgot to put on this list was from uh, Brazil. Uh, it passed in Brazil and Brazil's talking point was we're not here to protect the interests of other companies. Uh, we're not here we, to make competition fair. Yeah, yeah, we're not here to make competition fair, which is uh, Brazil's point. All right. All right, Brazil. Yeah. But anyway, uh, our first. Yeah. No, go DJ. No, don't. No, okay. I, I was gonna, I was gonna get into like Brazilian politics. A little politics, bit, but... yeah. I was about to say, all right, yeah. Brazil, don't, yeah, don't, like, that, don't okay. come asking for help. <laughs> when one country comes in, we're not here to help make world politics fair. This story is from Brendan Sinclair from uh, GameIndustry.biz. CMA unswayed by Microsoft arguments for Activision Blizzard acquisition. CMA is, I guess, a watchdog group that's a lot in line with the uh, sort of the British, uh, the United Kingdom authorities when it comes to this uh, murders and acquisition stuff. Uh, I think equivalently to the FTC and all that. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not well equipped. On, I'm not well equipped on uh, British parliamentary fucking intrigue, so I can't give you exact like actual governmental intrigues of what this organization is. But they seem to be a big enough deal in this uh, thing. So my bad, I guess, for being dumb in this matter, but I've been going through a lot, guys. It's been really rough. Stupid Yanks. Uh, <laughs> half my family's crying. It's my, my bad. Uh, so uh, the CMA is the uh, UK's Competition and Markets Authority. They issued a statement, uh, the equivalent of, uh, I believe, yeah, the first question they tackled for was whether or not acquisition would result in Xbox being Call of Duty exclusive for uh, something Microsoft has said it had no intention of doing, but is only committing to keep on PlayStation for several years. Financial modeling of the merger suggests that the merged entity's incentive to foreclose Sony may be considerably stronger than suggested by the parties, which essentially means that they're saying a lot of stuff in public about how they have no intention of doing this, they don't want to disrupt the gamers, but the CMA is like, this is a bold-faced lie, and they start listing other things in the... Uh, next quote, uh, choice quote being, Microsoft past business practices suggest that it may be willing to make losses in the short term in order to build, to scale, and increase its user base. 
I think this was enlisted in uh, reference to their other acquisitions, especially the sort of acquisition of Bethesda, which a lot of people have pointed out, but this is just what game industry people do. Yes, they make acquisitions and then make games exclusive to their company. That being said, you can't be out in public saying we have no intention to do X, Y, and Z, when then you have Starfield, which before your acquisition was going to be on all platforms, locked yeah. to your platform. What is the yeah, like? True. What is the core difference between those two properties? If you're telling us that Call of Duty isn't that important, what is the difference between that and Starfield in regards to your ongoing business? Uh, I mean, I guess they could argue that Starfield has yet to come out yet, so nobody has an attachment to it on PlayStation, whereas Call of Duty has been going on for over a decade. It's a theme, multi-platform. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. You know, uh, I get it. Another paragraph, I'm still reading from it. It also dismissed arguments that Microsoft would keep Call of Duty multi-platform simply to avoid public backlash, saying it did not identify any persuasive evidence that Microsoft would be deterred from engaging in total or partial foreclosure strategies by the prospect of reputational damage to Xbox or Call of Duty. This is just, uh, Microsoft has then gone on to say that CMA is just taking place inside this argument. And like they're prepared to fight, continue to fight back. I believe one of the quotes from the uh, head of Microsoft is that if PlayStation wants the competition, they, like not not Xbox, Microsoft. If Sony wants a competition, we are ready to have a competition. Which if this is me coming out of the Xbox conversation altogether, when the CEO of Microsoft, who has a history of corporate acquisition and being a giant yeah. corporate monopoly, starts talking shit about competition, that's not a good look in terms of like. I'm just saying in optics about the sincerity of this deal. Mm-hmm. They're uh, like, oh, you want smoke? Oh, I <laughs> bet. I thought I was feeling you. <laughs> uh, this is from IGN. This is from Kenneth Shepard. Xbox calls PlayStation too big to fail following UK's criticism of Activism Blizzard deal. One of Microsoft's talking points about this entire situation is that we're not number one in the market. PlayStation is. Us spending $70 billion on this entire publisher, which is, forget me if I'm wrong, Activision Blizzard was top five in terms of publishers, or was it top ten? I'm not exactly sure, but it's like I think mm. five. I think it's yeah, five. It, it top five. <laughs> so us acquiring another of the top five publishers isn't going to do anything for the overall market share, and PlayStation will still be number one. And that is a factual statement in the short term of this uh, acquisition war. But uh, I believe a quote from Sony. This is from VGC. Uh, from Andy Robson, Sony tells regular Call of Duty players are likely to switch to Xbox even without exclusivity, which is a, another true statement because if people remember, when Call of Duty had a X- Xbox deal, Xbox was leading the market. And then Call of Duty had a PlayStation deal, and suddenly PlayStation started leading the market when it comes to Call of Duty. Between so got- PS3 and PS4, people jumped off of Xbox on the PS4. We've seen this happen. Yes. I don't think people really wanted to jump to Xbox. It's just that... Uh... The 360 launched earlier and was the, the, less expensive the, than the PS3. Yeah. yeah, but they also had a marketing deal, and the PlayStation launch also like because like if, this is before backwards compatibility was like a real feature that everyone talked about in that generation. So this yeah. is you saying I bought all these games on Xbox. I'm just abandoning them and going to play on PlayStation because I play two games a year, and one of them is Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I'm reading it. Foolish. Another thing that's sort of been revealed in all of this is that Microsoft generated $2.9 billion from Xbox Game Pass last year, regulatory docs suggest. This is from Chris Gullion. So one of my big arguments against subscription services in general, this is just based upon my knowledge of the streaming wars and sort of television, is that they do not make money. 
they don't make money. Like, you burn a shit ton of money doing that, especially trying to be competitive. Like, I had, I think I've had this argument with people on the podcast about Netflix in particular, and that, like, mm-hmm. Netflix has said they're in the black, but, like, they're definitely in the red, borrowing money on a regular basis. And... I mean, you it, don't make money from the subscriptions, though. No, you do get money. Like, when your entire business model is subscription, that's how you make money. They're selling something else. They're selling info, user info, ad, whatever. They're selling something else. They're, most people, most companies are not making their money solely through subscriptions. I don't know what the fuck Netflix is doing specifically, but I hear what you're saying. Yes, in regards to other companies and subscription services, that's mm-hmm. a, a concern altogether. But in regards to Netflix, they are entirely driven by their subscriptions and they do not make enough money to maintain the level of content they have there. Because mm-hmm. guess what? When Netflix first started, they were able to get friends for like, dirt cheap because no one knew what streaming service is now if they want to get friends they got to compete with the peacocks of the world the hulus of the world all those who now recognize how fucking valuable those properties are yeah Yeah. is anybody here actually use peacock yes i watch saved by the bell and i watch the uh uh, werewolf show which is fucking fantastic and i watch wrestling which is on peacock is that on peacock yeah well wwe is on peacock but then also there's some other do they not have the WWE Network anymore? Didn't they have their own streaming thing? They have WWE Network internationally, but Peacock bought the WWE Network in America. Sure, man. I don't give a shit. Next. <laughs> Why are you even ask that? I was all for the Attitude Era and past that, F the WWE. Yeah. So, so back to this, Microsoft generated $2.9 billion. So yeah, Phil Spencer has come on record saying that Xbox Game Pass is entirely profitable. And I'm, I don't doubt him in saying that. And this $2.9 billion in revenue from Game Pass is a hefty number, but it's also one of those fake uh, marketing numbers that doesn't really talk. It just mentions $2.9 billion, but doesn't actually talk about how much are they actively spending on Xbox yeah. Game Pass. What is the actual mm-hmm. profit from Xbox Game Pass? Operating another, costs. Yeah. yeah. I, have another, I have another story from uh, TechSpot. I fucked up with some of my... Uh, my uh, That's fine. My, uh, Sorry, so I ended up on TechSpot. This is from Carl Jeffrey. Sony and Microsoft spend millions every month with no direct return to keep gaming subscribers happy. So this is uh, this is revealed because of Arc System Works. No, Arc Survival Evolved. In September, Snail Games, the company who makes Arc Survival, Snail Games filed an, an S1 with SEC and, and prepares to go public. And S1 is one of those, well, whatever. Giving all this. <laughs> What is more interesting in Snail's acknowledgement that in November 2021, Sony paid $3.5 million to make ARC free for PlayStation Plus members for five weeks. That was for five weeks when it was on PlayStation Plus back in the day. Now, imagine those numbers on an ongoing subscription service. They also reveal that it's on Game Pass, and they now have a... Because of the revenue Microsoft is just willing to shift to them from Game Pass, they have a pretty much an auto renew on their contract with Game Pass that have ARC on there in, per- in, per- perpetuity. in perpetuity. So, the $2.9 billion, what is the actual metric of profit coming from that $2.9 billion when they have to pay fair share for these developers for these products? Yeah. My thesis is yeah. $2.9 billion is a, uh, it's actually a really cool number, and I'm going to stop talking about the metrics of like subscription services making money but also be a little bit more transparent on how much of that is actual profit and not just a buzzword that you're using to avoid talking about the dangers of the subscription service that being said microsoft and xbox is owned by microsoft they have a large war chest so they, they're 100 just willing to burn money 
to continue to make a bigger product. It looks like they got around 45 to 50 million, give or take, PlayStation Plus subscribers. So that ain't a big, bad. A big re- yeah, a big reveal of that is that there are more PlayStation Plus subscribers than Xbox Game Pass subscribers when it comes to uh, sort of like the subscription service situation. So the 2.9 billion that Xbox is making is actually bigger on PlayStation. But PlayStation hasn't uh, revealed that number. Mm-hmm. We only infer because of the market share situation. Because like I think Xbox owns like thirty percent, and then PlayStation owns like forty percent. So theoretically, they would be earning more. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. our final bit of story, the two part story, uh, is from Paul Tassie from Forbes. Microsoft is running out of ways to promise they won't pull Call of Duty off PlayStation. So Microsoft's big thing is like, oh, we're doing this for the gamers. Once again, I think that's a hollow word. You're not doing it for the gamers. You're doing it for your Microsoft Xbox business. You need to stop trying to use people as a marketing chip because if you weren't, yeah. this wouldn't be a conversation. And this slides to my second story from Paul Taffy, which is Sony's list of demand for owning <laughs> Call of Duty is ridiculous. And it's ridiculous. And I was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever read until I recognized that this <laughs> might be the, if Sony PlayStation had a better branding, this would be the biggest dunk of the world on Xbox, but their branding sucks in terms of the market share of, the, of subscription services. So, like, it's just being re- read as an own on Sony's part. Mm-hmm. These are the requests that Sony has to let Microsoft own Xbox Game Pass. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, X- Xbox Game Pass own Call of Duty. Microsoft would not be able to give the Xbox version of Call of Duty any extra content. So they wouldn't be able to make exclusive content to incentivize people to play on Xbox. This is one of the big incredible things because if you go on any Call of Duty ad, you talk there all they are are talking about exclusive content with PlayStation. The, the the difference is they're offering money to a third party to do that versus Microsoft just straight up owning it and creating an unfair advantage. I mean, yes that and is, no. That is true, Sean, but it's still not a good optics look because anyone looking at the optics and just reading that sentence with them looking at an ad isn't going to rationalize. Oh, this is PlayStation giving them more money. This is no, this is, it, it, it's, it's not a hero there, but like it's an optics thing. Um, another talking point is Microsoft is prohibited from making the Xbox version of Call of Duty better in any way than the PlayStation version. And which they parody, basically. They want 100% parody, which unfortunately fumbles the bag if they're not with the weird console generation situation where the PlayStation 5 is like a ninja and the Xbox uh, Series X is like a workhorse. The Series X is a much more powerful uh, system, but the PlayStation 5 gets around a lot of that with a lot of cool necessity. But at the end of the day, the Xbox Series X is a better console, which inclined them to make better versions for the Xbox. Mm-hmm. PlayStation doesn't want that. They want it to be the exact same game, which means that any version on the Xbox would be hampered by any issue with the PlayStation. I mean, at this point, they are both capable of 60 frames. You know, 4K or whatever, 120 frames 4K. I don't see it it's being just the extra stuff that much that. better. You know, I don't. I don't see them pulling away that much better. They're still in the same generation. They still have, for the most part, the same processor. That was it, the RNA two, whatever the hell it is. You're ignoring the cloud features that Microsoft has always been touting with their consoles and their software going forward, mm-hmm. and about how in cloud processing and that theoretically. If they wanted to, they could easily bump Call of Duty to PC numbers if they wanted to with the Xbox, especially with their streaming services and all of that. And the other thing is, this is something I, I, I'm having a little hard time sort of uh, understanding is they don't want Call of Duty on Game Pass. No. 
No, they don't. Ah, that's 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 an unfair ask. The first two were fine. I get it, but that last this kind of this is hilarious because I remember. I remember there being comparison videos of what was it Final Fantasy? Which one was the Lightning? Thirteen? Yeah, sure, sure, man. I remember there being comparison videos between the Xbox version and PlayStation version, and being like, "Oh, the PlayStation version is is better looking than the Xbox version, or something." And it's like, you you can't you can't just be like, "Hey, don't make that game look better on your consoles than our console." Like. This, I mean, I understand what Sony is, what PlayStation is doing because they have to do this essentially because you know they have to fight for their cash cow. I get it, but this is this is just stupid. <laughs> I'm one hundred percent on Xbox side. This entire argument, like this, like PlayStation, yeah. is, PlayStation is asking a lot. However, this is what I think the brilliance of what they're asking for. Xbox has consistently said that they're doing all of this for the gamers, and that Call of Duty yeah. isn't a big deal. Cool. Mm-hmm. If it's not a big deal, acquiesce to all of this shit. It's not going to hurt you because it's not a big deal. <sighs> but that's not what Microsoft the business wants. So there's no shot that they're going to acquiesce to all of this. Yeah. Because so here's this the thing, is calling their bluff, essentially. Essentially. And here's the thing. If, like, one of the big things, takeaways we've had about conversations that I think w- weird things are like, why people don't understand why Sony isn't being helpful in acquisition to acquisition. I mean, and wow. Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Well, I think one of the things that we can transcend from this is that Sony would be ultimately super helpful if they can keep Call of Duty going forward and helping this thing go forward and stop being an active roadblock. Yeah. Right. But yeah. This is the Activision Blizzard uh, roundup for this week and a couple of weeks before. I apologize for going a bit long. There's a lot of shit to go through and process on this. Uh, ultimately, none of this has swayed how I feel about this. I think the $70 billion price tag on Activision Blizzard acquisition is insane. Uh, I think both companies are being insane. I also think that in the grand scheme of acquisitions, Microsoft should not be allowed to do this. This is not me saying this as a PlayStation gamer, because I don't even fucking play Call of Duty. This is me saying this as a monopoly thing, because Microsoft is Microsoft. Like We talk about Xbox all you want, but it's Microsoft. One of the very big talking points, one of the reasons Sony is continually going to be doing better than them is that because Sony has a long list of first-party exclusives that they have more than them. And to that, I say, boo-hoo, I was sitting there doing the Xbox 360 generation where you weren't putting out exclusives, just three games, and PlayStation was slowly working on what we now see as their blockbuster first party. Now, I think it's perfectly reasonable to bolster your development with new studios but to use that as a talking point of why this isn't a big deal is an insane thing. Like I said, yeah. before this acquisition, you have fucking 32 or so goddamn studios. Like, you have a fantastic subscription service, which, even though it's not for me, and I actively think it's a bad thing for video games, is, is doing, is, has the market share of subscription services, and it's doing incredibly well. Focus on that. You don't need the Activision Blizzard Call of Duty thing. You're only doing this from a pure monopoly situation, because as far as I can tell, they have planned to keep acquiring studios going forward. And the Activision Blizzard thing will put them at around 40-odd studios. So, like, calm down, Xbox. Also, PlayStation, calm your shit. Like, I get you're doing all of this from a pure business standpoint of, like, we can't not say anything, but, like, video games have changed. The way exclusive works have changed. You have the number one console. All games have cosplay. Motherfuckers aren't going to change the Xbox just because 
they can't get free shit on Call of Duty from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I got nothing to say. We'll just see what happens. Like, I, I, I think with all this being said, I don't, I'm not positive that the CMA is going to be able to stop the deal going through anyways. So it is a thing of me being a Call of Duty player. I mean, not all the time, but like Modern Warfare 2, I'll be definitely playing that. It is kind of scary to see what the future of that game will be, but acquisitions are acquisitions. You can't really get around that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that has been the quick hits for today. And before we get into what we have been playing, we have a word from our sponsors. I got a shadow behind me this entire time. Oh, shit. What if that insidious thing just happened? Like a little demon thing came out of the side of my face. It was like, <sighs> That'd be crazy. All right. Um, yeah, we got a word from our sponsors. Check it out. It's us. Hey there. Have you been enjoying this episode? You have? Great. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, then do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcast platform you're using. If you're watching this, then like the video, subscribe to our channel, and hit the bell so you won't miss out on any of our future videos. Check out pressx2start.com to find information about us, the podcast, links to all of our social media channels, and to join our Discord. Thanks so much. We appreciate your support. Now back to the podcast. And we are back. Now it is time for us to talk about the game. Normally I say games. This time I'm just saying one game. The game we have been playing. It is Overwatch 2. I finally got my uh, PS5 to stop fucking around. And I got my Overwatch 2 to work. So we all played a game. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and go first, seeing how you guys got to talk last podcast. And I had to sit there in my little corner and just be like, well, I got my game survey or bit. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, I got to play the game with these lovely gentlemen on screen. And I had a great time, even though uh, starting the game was a complete cluster fire for me because my mic was um, on its own on its own time. I'll mm-hmm. say that. It works now, so I can't really say anything against it, or else it will stop working in the future, and I'll have even more problems. Um, oh, uh, actually, actually, the stuff we're about to talk about, you can actually watch, because we are posting the Overwatch 2 gameplay stream on our website, on our website, on YouTube, so just check it out. It, it's going to be somewhere, somewhere here. I'll make sure I, I'll, I'll do the little thing that you do with the cards. It's a fun time. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a great time, and our, our voices were available for your for your listenings although avery we had a problem with with this so we'll get that fixed in the future but yeah had a great time um it is very much so overwatch um can't really get around that the times that it felt like oh this is different when i was kind of away from the tank and i was like oh i'm not a healer oh oh, okay i'm (laughs) i'm in danger i'm in trouble right now (laughs) But overall, um, I think I do I do miss the changes to gameplay where they kind of got rid of some of the crowd control stuff because I'm a I'm a May player. So I love being able to hold a person still and shoot them in the face with my icicle. But I can't do that anymore. I can only slow them down. So it requires a little more gun skill, but it's fine. I still make it happen. Um, yeah, we, we played a bunch of different modes. Avery can actually talk to that because I'm I don't remember all this stuff. Every, what, what modes do we play? Well, originally, the, one of the big issues we ran into is that, D, as far as I can tell, DJ GG's 
on the whole Overwatch 2 experience early on. So he hadn't touched the game till he was told, hey, we're going to be playing Overwatch 2. So when he started up his game, he was put into the same issue I had where, if, where he was given the first-time user experience where everything was pretty much locked out for him and he couldn't really do much. So we were sort of limited in what we can do. That being said, me, Sean, and DJ were playing first. We tried out a 3v3 elimination, which is straight up my favorite mode in Overwatch. Um, Marcus can extol you on the legendary runs we went on with a uh, friend of the show, Larissa, in terms where we just spent three to four hours just playing that fucking Great mode night. over and over and over again. Fantastic time. But yeah, we played 3v3 elimination. Uh, then we got the full, well, the semi-full sack. We're still looking for a regular fifth. Uh, everything went fine. We were pretty much on par when it came to like we had we had more wins and losses playing unrated uh eventually i switched us from unrated and jumped us into the arcade where we played a uh we played fuck yeah we played, we played the, uh, i think it was mystery heroes yeah that was mystery heroes is where we landed that's how we that was the last yeah. thing we did we played arcade and we played uh the push map that they have uh listed there and then we played uh capture the flag Capture Flag is fun, but it's unfortunately like uh, the matchmaking on that is not great. People like to dip on that. So like at a certain yeah. point, we were just rolling the other team because they were just like leaving <laughs> and we were just I'm going to be I'm going to keep it about we nearly lost because we were so ahead and everyone was like, oh, there's no way we can lose. Meanwhile, they don't know the rules of how Capture the Flag works. And so they were just letting the other team score like four times in a row yeah. in the last second of the game. I think it was, they were at the four captures when then I saw on the UI, it was like, oh, you have to capture things six times. I was like, oh, okay. I, I see I see the mistake that we're doing right now. <laughs> Look, I'll make it clear. The mistake that you guys are making right now. I was, <laughs> I was actively trying to win this and being told, nah, man, they, can't, they have 30 seconds left. They can't win. <laughs> they can't get four scores in 30 <laughs> oh seconds. God, Avery, yeah. I'm bullying them. Oh, my gosh. Avery, let them play. Oh, oh, they're going to win. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then we ended with Mystery Heroes, which I'm going to apologize for uh, in advance. That was, like, that was just me trying something new. Uh, did not go great. It, Mystery Heroes just revealed to me how many of the characters I'm just not equipped to use and how actually mechanically difficult some characters are to use. That being said, I may start playing Kiriko uh, in terms of add, and adding her <laughs> to my uh, queue of support heroes because I think she does a pretty good job of healing. And she's the one support character who straight up has a get out of jail free card in that yep. new mode where like your teammates are pushed off the objective doing their own thing and you're supporting the pack line or just getting rolled. She's the one character who'd be like, oh, this Roadhog came out nowhere to kill me. I am teleport halfway across the map to another character and I'm fine. Yeah, we, we play a lot of it. Yeah. So um, uh, I think there's a conversation that needs to be had because. I was uh, called a certain thing over streamed, and I was like, wait, what does that even mean by uh, one Marcus when I happen to play as uh, a old character of mine called Lucio? Um, apparently, right. I am a Reddit Lucio. Yes, you are. You are a straight up Reddit Lucio. And I mean, not I mean, to your credit, you were doing well. Like, it wasn't even like you were just throwing the game and, because you were trying to be. It was like you just slid into that role and as i saw you playing i'm like oh my god he's playing exactly <laughs> like a reddit lucio you had more eliminations than our second dps <laughs> so explain to the viewers what a reddit lucio is because i didn't know of this term in, until i was uh, educated 
So Reddit Lucio is essentially an attack Lucio, but more so an attack Lucio that focuses on being aggressive to the backline and trolling. So they basically annoy the shit out of the backline and then skate away. So they're like <laughs> extremely hard to kill. <laughs> the only thing is Reddit Lucios are also notorious for not healing. Like they're just on speed doing what they got to do, but <laughs> they basically are letting the, the other healer handle all of the healing. Um, very rarely you'll get somebody who can do both really well. Um, yeah. On my best days, I can do that. But in most cases, it's just like, all right, they're on speed, darting around, annoying the shit out of people, getting kills, and also probably being very annoying on a payload, but they're not supporting the team, really. Right. This Negro halfway through the game was like, oh, R1 does something. To be fair, DJ, I have been playing the same two support characters for two years mm -hmm. now in Baptiste and Moira. And trust me, the first time I played Lucio and hit R1 and realized that he has that turn it up move where it just like boosts the, the active effects, I'm like, oh, okay, this character's broken. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Like I'll, I will continue to say that as as the DPS Mora of the group who only plays Mora <laughs> and doesn't heal and just runs it down mid and then chases retreating players and then phases away, whatever. I will have five k damage and five k health. I will still be right. top, <laughs> top healing the entire match. I'm just not doing any active healing to my friends. Whatever. But my thing about Lucio and I'll reiterate this is the ability to shoot and heal at the same time is an entirely mm broken mechanic in comparison to the other healers into the game who can yeah. do either or well he's also i feel like an important variant of a healer though because everyone else essentially like lucio is only as effective as how cohesive his team is in most cases a as that, a support yeah because yeah, as a healer he can like to that point about him being able to shoot like if you're playing as a cohesive team that's always together you're always going to get value out of a lucio if you're playing yeah. as a team who's going spread out across the map that Lucio is going to have maybe 200 healing, but it's not his fault. Right. <laughs> yeah, it depends because like the only reason I know how to do it is because I played Lucio for so long. But like if my team is starting to like spread out, then I'll start hanging with the tank and trying to keep them up as long as possible. So you still right. get a lot of value out of that. But most of the time, they're not going to do that. They're just going to fuck off wherever they're going. <laughs> I think I think it needs to be said because before I was like, oh, R1 does something. In my mind, I was building the sentence of, man, I for some reason can't do that much healing with Lucia other than the like circle thing that I generated. So I literally stopped myself from making a fool of myself on the stream. Now you get a little backstage to my brain right here. We tried to play comp, but until DJ gets his shit together with his uh, account, <laughs> We're, we were, we're not allowed to do that, and so we're not allowed to jump into this competitive season and get put into... Marcus, what's the level below bronze and over? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Janitor. <laughs> I don't even think there is a rank below. It's, it's called quick play. That's the rank below bronze. <laughs> it's called first-time experience. <laughs> nah, but yeah, once, once DJ's account fully merges, then we can uh, try to out. run some comp. Yeah, yeah. So, so once I get my stuff, we'll be able to do the the comp and stuff, and then have even more fun there. Yeah, and when we yeah. play comp, we need to all agree on roles. There shouldn't be any flexing around because that ruins. A, that's gonna fuck up how long the queue is gonna take. 
Mm-hmm. And B, we don't want a situation where we can't play the right agents, well, heroes for the situation at hand. Because, like, oh, this is a situation mm-hmm. where we need X hero. Like, oh, this would be a great map for Pharaoh. Meanwhile, our DJ, for some reason, is uh, mm-hmm. loaded up as a healer, and none of us know how to play Pharaoh. So, like, <laughs> I, so, I got it on mana, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I will say this for comp, I will continually um, queue for tank and for healer. You already know, as healer, I'm Lucio. But for tank, I can either do Reinhardt or Sigma. Yeah. I will be queued exclusively for healer, for support. I'm, yeah, I'm fine playing the support. I'm looking at you, Sean. I'm looking at you, DJ. What, what nonsense are you about I to mean, come out of your mouth right da- now? A damage, a damage dealer? I, I don't know. Whatever that, that the damage one's called, I'll do that. I can be that. That's cool. no, I feel like, yeah, I feel like you could yeah, stay I, in damage. And then one day when you actually start getting really good with uh, Wrecking Ball, then we can, we can have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah when i get my uh my hamtaro hands it's all good and sean? then sean hey man i'll use whoever has bullets <laughs> uh, overwatch this game we're not a lot of characters actually have bullets so i'm gonna need right. more i'm gonna need more straighter answer from you Whatever, soldier man. or sojourn <laughs> soldier or sojourn sure i can be you were actually doing game. pretty good with um with uh orissa and uh sojourn yeah i'll there keep on go. I'll, I'll go practice some more why, why I'm saying we should all practice for roles is that we should all be able to play the breadth of that role and not just our one character of that role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, and off that uh, point and what I'll use to kind of wrap up this is speaking of knowing how to use the breadth of a character, my favorite moment of our stream was when we were playing uh we were defending against the other team moving the payload and i was sigma and i had oh. my alt oh that's, and it was oh. getting down to the wire get it out of the and game. get it out of the game <laughs> and i used my alt to get them off the payload long enough for overtime to go down and i won us the match <laughs> i hate it I oh hate my it. gosh i hate it I've forgotten the bullshit. Like I've been playing a lot of Valorant. I've been playing a lot of Apex. So like I forgot the sheer amount of bullshit that can happen in an Overwatch game. It's all strategery, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Sure. Oh my gosh. Uh well, I think I think that's it for what we've been playing. That has been our episode for today. That has been the Press X Start podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review on your favorite podcasting app. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell on your favorite YouTube channel, which is ours. Uh, if you would like to join our conversation, you can by going to pressxnumber2start.com slash Discord, and that will take you to our Discord chat. We have such a great time there. You can have such a great time there, too, if you just join our Discord chat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, again, don't forget to um, watch our uh, Overwatch 2 gameplay stream because that's also awesome. And it'd be awesome if you watch that awesomeness. Uh, I think I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. You have a great day. You have a great time. Because time and space coexisting. I don't fucking I don't know, man. Peace Shout out to Fluorescent. I'm really proud of you. You're doing fantastic in Game Changers. Just want you to know you're a fantastic player. GG's, everyone. Yeah, shout out to that light guy. All right. Not a white guy. Uno out. <laughs>